Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well. We are in the subject of the blood covenant. And yesterday we actually stopped, we finished with the old covenant and it has been like 20 lessons on the old covenant. And now we are, this is the 21st lesson. We are going to go into the new covenant now. Now, I want to begin by saying what I said as my last sentence in my last lesson. If the old covenant was so wonderful, why was there a need for a new covenant? Now, the first thing I want to tell you is that in the Bible, the old is a type and a shadow of the new. Uh, and I will show you the scripture later on that actually says so. So the old covenant was wonderful, but the old covenant was a foreshadow. It was a type and a shadow of something good that was to come, the new covenant. Actually, that's a principle you must remember that everything in the Old Testament, in the old covenant, is a type and a shadow of what's in the new covenant, uh, what's in the New Testament. In fact, what you see in the New Testament in Christ Jesus is the reality of it. But what you see in the Old Testament is the is the foreshadow, is the type, uh, type or shadow. But the reality is found in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So the old covenant was actually a foreshadow of the new covenant. And the old covenant always points to the new. And the old covenant was not, it was a great covenant with great promises. But as I, I'm reading this, uh, as, as I've written it down, the old covenant was not perfect because one partner in the covenant was God and the other partner was, uh, was Abraham and Israel made up of sinful human beings. There was nothing wrong on God's side, but man's side did not work. As I said, the, uh, you know, a covenant works on the basis of faith. And uh, on Israel's side, you know, they were always backsliding, always turning away. And whenever that would happen, the covenant blessings wouldn't work for them. The enemy would come and, and occupy them or terrorize them or, you know, they would uh, sow and the enemy would reap. So that, that was the weakness of the old covenant was not on God's side, but it was on man's side because it was a covenant between God and man. That is why there was a new, new uh, need for a new covenant. And Jeremiah, during the old covenant, this is what he said in chapter 31, verses 31, 32. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. So here we see the new, uh, the need for new covenant. It says the people of Israel actually broke the old covenant by the repeated disobedience and backsliding. It says, so God is going to give a new covenant and, and, and it says it will not be like the old covenant because the old covenant, the Israelites actually broke. That's what the Bible says here. And now in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 3 to 13, then it says here uh, about the new covenant. It says, for I'm going to read all these verses to you. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. He's talking about Jesus. 
For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. That means that, uh, you know, everything that happened on earth, uh, you know, they're uh, serving in the temple according to the law, offering gifts according to the law. This was a type and a copy and a shadow of heavenly things, where Jesus is our high priest. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Now this is good, what it says. God said to Moses, because Moses was up in the mountain with, with God, and where God spoke to him, and he was in the glory up there. And there he saw the pattern of the tabernacle. And so God said to him, when you go down back, back to the people, you build the the tabernacle, which should be an exact copy of what you saw up on the mountain. So the real priesthood is the priesthood of Jesus that is in heaven. But the earthly priesthood in the earthly tabernacle is a copy, a type and shadow of that which is in the heaven. As I said to you earlier, everything in the old covenant is a type and a shadow of the thing uh, that is in the new covenant, because what is in the new covenant is a reality is the reality, is the ultimate reality. What's in the old is a type and a shadow. Okay, he says, um, verse 6 is talking about Jesus, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he's also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, which was established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place had been sought for a second. That means that the first covenant was faulty. If it was faultless, if the first covenant was perfect and faultless, then there would be no need for a new covenant. But there is a new for, uh, need for a new covenant because the first covenant was faulty. And then it says, verse 8, because finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And he's actually uh, here in Hebrews, he's repeating the scriptures from uh, Jeremiah 31 that I read to, you, read to you a couple of uh, minutes ago. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. So that means that when they would not continue in the covenant, when the people, the covenant was there, the covenant was great, but if the people would not continue in the covenant, that's when they would not get the covenant blessings. And the Lord said, I disregarded them because they disregarded my covenant. So the fault with the covenant was not with the covenant, but was with the people with whom the covenant was made. They, they were, they did not keep the covenant. And that was the fault of the, the fault there. It was not in the covenant, but it was in the people uh, with whom the covenant was cut. Um, not, a, uh, okay. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, Know the Lord for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and 
their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now that which is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. We are going to talk about this later on because, uh, um, you know, it says, I made a new covenant. And when he makes a new covenant, he makes the old covenant obsolete. I want you, many people have a hard time swallowing this. And they say, well, the old covenant, well, the, the Bible does say that the old covenant is obsolete and it is growing old and it is vanishing away. It is ready to vanish away. But the thing is that uh, the Israelites, the Jews, somehow they're still, uh, you know, I mean, today if you go to Israel, people don't, uh, you know, I mean, except certain people, you know, I mean, it, it has many layers, but... Uh, I, but let, let me just say this, that uh, the, the, people, the people in Israel, the Jewish people today, they do not practice uh, Mosaic law. They practice rabbinical law, which is they live by the Talmud rather than by the Torah, which means that uh, the rabbinical law is actually the interpretation of, by the rab rabbis of the law of Moses. So that's why... They, they practice a lot of things that you will not find in the Bible. For example, for example, for example, they have this uh, thing, the kashrut laws, the kosher laws. And the cornerstone of that is this, uh, is one, one of the main things there. You cannot consume meat and milk products in, within a span of six hours, right? So if you go to Israel, you can't have a cheeseburger because, you know, cheese is a milk product and, uh, and the burger is a... Uh, is meat. So uh, they have things made of artificial milk and uh, sometimes it tastes horrible. But anyway, but they don't mix, you know, and in a kosher kitchen, uh, a, a proper kosher kitchen, you'll have two sinks. One is for uh, washing uh, meat products, milk products. Proper kosher, kosher kitchen, they will not even serve meat and milk products in this on the same plate. They have different utensils, cooking utensils, different knives and forks and different plates for everything. That's an extreme proper kosher kitchen. Now, where do they get that? You won't find that, find that in the law of Moses. Where they get that is there's one scripture which said, you shall not boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. That's what the Bible says. So the rabbis took that and they expounded on that. And that by that, they mean that you, you know, they brought a far-fetched explanation saying that you cannot eat meat and milk products. That's what it means. But that's that's rabbinical law. That's not Mosaic law. That's not what Moses said. That's what uh, the rabbis, you know, uh, said. And that's what they live by. They live, the Jewish people today. Then, then you've got the Reformed Jews who are very liberal, who you, you wonder what they believe. But the Orthodox Jews, they, they live by uh, rabbinical law rather than by, uh, uh, by Mosaic law. That's why they have all these things, the dresses, the hats, the wear. Uh, that told me if you belong to this group, the, 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 the fur kind of goes this way. And uh, if you b belong to this other group, the fur goes this way and there's different sizes and shapes of hats and fur hats. That's why some of them will wear fur hats in the middle of the summer. And it's, it's all a part of their, uh, their traditions that they get from the rabbis. So what happens is that so you, 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 know, so you have this. And so uh, when it talks about pure law or pure covenant, very few people actually uh, practice those things. They believe those things, but they actually very few people live by those things. And so um, 
what that means is that God is saying that, listen, I'm going to make a new covenant, a new covenant. And uh, when that happens, uh, you know, the, the, the old is going to pass away. But those people, uh, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe in the New Testament. They don't believe there is a new covenant because they don't have a revelation as yet. And they will have a revelation because the Bible does promise us that all Israel shall be saved. You know, there will come a day. And uh, it, it, it says, I like that. He says, God says, I will pour upon the people of Israel the spirit of uh, supplication and they shall see the one who have pierced and they're going to see Jesus and they will have that revelation. And I'm believing God for it. When that revelation comes, they will embrace the new covenant um, and because it is actually theirs. We who are Gentiles have come into it, but it's actually originally God's covenant was with them. So, but anyway, but the point is that um, God is making this new covenant and it renders the old one obsolete. But my point is that for the Jewish people, the old one is not obsolete because the new one doesn't exist. They don't believe like you and I believe. So they believe in their old covenant and maybe they don't practice it, but they're holding on to it because I've never heard an Orthodox Jews say, I believe God is my Yahweh Rafa, he's my healer and all that. They don't, you know, they don't talk that way. And I'm sure there are those who believe the majority of them don't actually believe or practice those things. But they still, you know, hold on to that old covenant that is theirs, that is belonging, that that belongs to them, given to them by God. But the, and because they're holding on to it, they don't consider it obsolete because that's the only thing they have. But we who are New Testament believers, we look at the new covenant and that is the one that has been given to us by God. And because of that, the Old Testament is obsolete. And, and the sad thing is that the Jewish people don't see that. They don't see what you and I see, but they can see those things only by revelation. You cannot sit with a Jew and try to discuss with him. He wouldn't, I mean, he wouldn't understand where you're coming from. Only if the Holy Spirit touches him, uh, can he get it? So that's why uh, if you have Jewish friends, I would really encourage you to share Christ with them, witness to them about Jesus and just pray first that God would open their eyes and they would because they are God's people. They are God's, you know, God had a covenant with them and they are special. They are. I mean, look, whichever way you look at it, they are a special people and they are loved by God. And Christ was a Jew and uh, uh, and so we we have to preach the gospel to them. And Paul said about the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And says to the Jew first and to the Greek. So in other words, uh, Paul had this urgency in his heart that the gospel should actually be preached to the Jew first before anybody else. But sadly, today in our day, the Jews are largely ignored by, uh, uh, you know, in, when it comes to the preaching of the gospel, even by the even by the Christian crowd who claims to love Israel and claims to bless Israel, claims to be friends of Israel. That's the last thing they do is preach the gospel to the Jew. But that's the first thing we should do to preach the gospel to the Jewish people so that they may, that their eyes may be open so they see the glory of Jesus Christ. Only then can they understand the new covenant and they can come into it and receive the covenant blessings by faith. Hallelujah. And don't tell me it cannot be done because I have Jewish friends who have received Christ. I have Jewish friends who walk with Jesus, have a wonderful, wonderful walk with Jesus. But it took that light, that revelation to shine into their hearts for them 
to be saved. It's something special, but it happens only if you and I are faithful in preaching the gospel to our Jewish friends. Amen. Anyway, so uh, that was a little, you know, side thought. Now, the old covenant's efficiency uh, was based on man's works, on him keeping the commandments. That was it. That's something to remember. The, the, the old covenant's efficiency, the old covenant's power to work in people's lives. It was all based on the works of man, on him keeping the commandment. But the new covenant, it was based on something totally different. Firstly, the new covenant was based on Jesus Christ and his blood. Secondly, the new covenant was, it changed and converted hearts. It changed, it was not based on man's works, but it changed and it converted people's hearts. That's the new covenant. Thirdly, the new covenant is based on the spirit of God. And not the letter of the law that kills. You know, Jesus said the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The contrasting the old and the new. The old is the letter of the law and the letter of the law kills. It condemns, but the new, the spirit of God gives life. So the old covenant was based on the law and the letter of the law and on man's keeping the law. But the new covenant, it was based on uh, on the spirit of God. Hallelujah. The spirit that gives life. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 4 to 6. It says and we have such trust through uh, Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. And he says who also made us sufficient as able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills and the spirit gives life. So we are ministers of the new covenant. I'm not a minister of the old covenant to, to teach people the law, the letter that kills, but I'm a minister of the new covenant, the spirit of God that gives life. Hallelujah. The new covenant was not cut in the blood of animals, nor in the blood of sinful men, because uh, you remember the old covenant, it was either the blood of animals or, you know, or people make incisions on their bodies and even circumcision, which was a cut uh, on the human body. But, uh, you know, so there was a covenant of circumcision and all that. But the old covenant was based on those things, were made of cuts made on the human body and the cutting of animals, but the new covenant is based on the precious blood of Jesus, the Son of God, that he shed for sinful mankind upon the cross. The new covenant is not based on the blood of animals or on the blood of sinful human beings, but it is based on the precious blood of the Holy Son of God, who shed his own blood upon the cross for sinners. Hallelujah. So here we see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Paul, and Paul in 1 Corinthians. So the Gospels of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, and the Apostle Paul in the 1 Corinthians say the same thing. Uh, when they talk about the Last Supper, Jesus said, this is the blood of my covenant. And this is the blood of my covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. So that's you know, when he gave them the cup, he talked about his blood and he talked about 
the covenant in his blood. And then when Jesus went to the cross and he died upon the cross and God put upon him all of our sins and all our diseases, that was when the covenant was cut upon the cross. It was not a sacrifice of an animal or the mark of circumcision on the body of a man, but it was upon the cross where the Bible says, surely he has borne our diseases and he has carried our pains. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed. So when Jesus was whipped and bruised, and beaten when he was nailed to that cross, when he hung upon that cross, that was the day when all our sins and all our diseases and all our infirmities were put upon Jesus Christ and he became like us so that we can be like him. Hallelujah. And that was the day the covenant was cut. It was not a covenant with the blood of animals, but the covenant with the precious blood of Jesus. So. The day Jesus hung upon the cross and his blood flowed down his body and ran down upon the ground, that day God cut a new covenant with us, with Jesus actually, with Jesus through his precious blood. So here are the provisions of the new covenant. What are the provisions of the new covenant on our part? What? Because as I said to you earlier on, a covenant goes both ways. You know, it's a relationship. It goes both ways. So what does God expect of us for us to live in the covenant? Three things. Firstly, faith in God. Faith in God. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of him that seek him. Faith in God. Faith in God. Have faith in God. That's the first provision of the covenant. The second covenant is trusting in God. Trusting in God. Trust means it's a total rest in God and his word. Faith is one thing, but trust is beyond that. Trust is, is a life of faith when you totally rest on the word and the promises of God and put your life totally into his hands. Thirdly, that believe you believe that Jesus the son of God came to the earth in the flesh and that he died upon the cross and that he rose up again on the third day and that he's at the right hand of the father and the Bible says if you believe these things you shall and you confess this with your mouth you shall be saved so these are the provisions of the new covenant faith in God total faith in God trust in God and believe that Jesus was God who came to the earth in the flesh. He died and he rose up again from the dead. Now, what are God's, what is God's part? What does God do for us in the new covenant? Firstly, he gives us salvation. He saves us. He saves us from our life of sin. He saves us from hell. He saves us from death. He saves us from what we were living in. That's what salvation is. Salvation means uh, is <coughs> when a person is, is drowning in the sea and when someone throws a life ring. You've seen those rings they have on ships. You know, that's a life ring. Someone throws that and that's salvation and you grab into it and you're pulled out of the water. That's salvation. So God, he gives us salvation. Secondly, he gives us eternal life. That means our names are written 
on the Lamb's book of life and we have this wonderful hope and promise of eternal life that we, when we leave this earth, we shall be with him forever living in heaven in the presence of Jesus. That's the second thing it promises. Thirdly, forgiveness of all our sins through the death of his son. Forgiveness of all of our sins through the death of his son. And fourthly, uh, fourthly, everything we need on this earth, everything that we need on this earth to live a life of godliness that, you know, everything that we need on this earth. Okay. Uh, that's the fourth thing. The fifth thing, in addition to, uh, to the provision of the Holy Spirit to live with us and enable us to follow Christ, only a few special people receive the spirit in the old covenant. In the old covenant, there were only uh, prophets and priests and kings and a few other people who received the Holy Spirit. It was very, very restrictive. But the average person couldn't receive the Holy Spirit. Under the new covenant, it is different. Under the old covenant, as I said, you know, to have the Holy Spirit living within us, to lead us and to guide us, to comfort us, to give us power, all those things that we talk about uh, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was lived in certain people. Uh, there were a very limited amount of people, as I said, the prophets, the priests and the kings and a few other people. But in the New Covenant, it says in Acts 2, 17 to 18, and in this, um, he said, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. So we have been given this wonderful promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. In the old covenant, it was only a few people, the prophets, priests and king, and a few other people. But in the new covenant, you know, the Holy Spirit will come upon everybody, upon all flesh. God has made that provision for us. And so all of us who are part of the new covenant, we have the Holy Spirit live. We can have the Holy Spirit living in us. And I'm saying this, we can because not everybody, some people reject him outright. They believe he's not for today. We call them cessationists, you know. They don't believe in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why they don't, that's, I don't understand. But there are people like that. But the Holy Spirit is available for all of us. He wants to come and indwell all of us. Each man, woman and child can be filled, can be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's a provision that God has made for us. Now, the other thing is that Jesus, the other provision we have in the new covenant is Jesus is the guarantor of the new covenant, ensuring that it shall never be broken. In the old covenant, they didn't have a guarantor. I mean, it was made between God and Abraham and God, Abraham was a sinful human being. And then Moses came, sinful human being, the people of Israel, sinful human beings. So that's why it was only a matter of time before the covenant was broken again and again. But the new covenant can never be broken because it is cut between Jesus and the Father. And these two are one. The Jesus and the Father are one. And the new covenant is between the Lord Jesus and, and God the Father. 
And Jesus is the guarantor of the new covenant. The guarantor means like this. When, when someone dies, when someone passes away, and uh, uh, then there's always an, someone called an executor. The will is read, you know, by the families called together, and the will is read by uh, the lawyer. And then the, the court appoints an executor, one who sees to it that everybody whose name is in the will gets whatever is coming to them. And that's where we stop now. We will continue more about that. We will talk about Jesus the guarantor of the new covenant. But let's pray together. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for your precious hand upon them. Father, if there is any sickness or disease, infirmity in their homes, I ask you to heal them. And Father, thank you for your promises of long life and salvation and blessing. We thank you, Father, that we may follow you and walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll be seeing you tomorrow.